Democrat Phil Chang was elected to the Deschutes County Commission in November 2020, unseating incumbent Republican Phil Henderson. County commission elections are partisan. That is, the political parties run candidates. Phil is the lone member of the Deschutes County Commission who endorses an effort to make it nonpartisan. The other two commissioners, Republicans Tony DeBone and Patty Adair, both want it to remain partisan. We'll talk about that uh, in a bit. Phil Chang has lived in Deschutes County since 2004. He's worked in natural resource management, volunteered with many local nonprofits, and served as an administrative aide to Oregon Senator Jeff Merkley here in Central Oregon. This conversation is being recorded on January 11th, 2022. Phil Chang, welcome to the Radical Songbook Podcast. Good to speak with you, Michael. How would you assess your first, what was your first year on the Deschutes County Commission like? Uh, what are some of the, I don't know, your assess, assess your, your work, the work of the commission, your highs and lows, challenges, surprises, working together, stuff like in my first year in office, uh, I have been able to address an, a number of my goals uh, going into um, you know going into this position. Um, I went into office uh, thinking that we need to um, yeah to to do something to do something helpful uh, in the realms of affordable housing, uh, in the realm of childcare. Um, in the uh, in the realm of uh, conservation and environmental stewardship, uh, and I've been I've been able to uh, make some things happen uh, and make some things happen bigger than they would have otherwise if I wasn't on the commission um, in those areas and and others. And uh, but uh, you know it's also been uh, uh, so I I feel like I've been having an impact and and uh, having a positive impact, uh, but I, I, it's also been a very um, it has been a very challenging work environment. Um, being uh, it, you know I I I truly believe that uh, commissioners should address this work in a nonpartisan fashion. Um, that there are good ideas. Uh, Coming from both parties, I think of the parties more as uh, think tanks, you know, that that put out kind of um, you know approaches and and concepts rather than uh, my team or your team. Uh, but I, I I have experienced a, a great deal of partisan division uh, on the board of commissioners this year, and um, I've, I've been very disappointed by that and. Um, uh, certainly, there are a number of things that I've wanted to work on that, um, you know, were, you know, basically, um, you know, I went went nowhere because I was um, facing a, a two to one minority type situation. How has it been um, uh, personally? I mean, are you all do you all like get along? Um, I, I would say we get along reasonably well. Um, the uh the last few months have been uh the the last few months you know the uh, the uh the partisan rift um has grown uh greater and i think that that puts a, a real strain on on personal relationships um and there's you know there's 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 disagreeing on um on how to solve a problem 
Uh, and then there's kind of, you know, personal, uh, um, you know, personal disrespect and disagreement and, and, and uh, um, antagonism uh, that, uh, you know, you can, I can disagree with someone uh, on how we should solve a problem, uh, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to be uh, disrespectful to them, that I'm going to try to undermine them or, you know, kind of shut their voice out or anything like that. And I, I do feel like um, we are um, we're seeing more and more of that in our interactions on the Board of Commissioners. What are some of the issues that um, that you would have li- that you would like to move forward on um, that have have proved to be uh, a challenge in this environment right now? Um, yeah, homelessness is really the top of the list. Um, well, the community wants us to do something uh, about uh, the, the, the growing number of um, uh, homeless people in our community. Uh, there, you know, and that for a lot of reasons. There are people who are, are genuinely concerned about uh, the unhoused and, you know, want them to, uh, you, know, you know, want them to have a, a, a decent quality of life and to you know, be able to survive through harsh winter um, temperatures who uh, want to give them a foundation to be able to, to recover um, from homelessness and, and you know, uh, fully reintegrate into our community, join the workforce, to contribute in other ways um, to our community. There are people who, uh, there are a whole lot of employers who really need um, a workforce right now, or a bigger workforce right now, um, who could really benefit from, you know, having having people who are uh, who are able to work and able able to you know be stably housed and and uh, you know and show up for their job. Um, there there are people who could you know there are employers who could really use um, to have those folks who you know maybe have had their life destabilized. Uh, and ended up homeless. You know, there there are a lot of employers who'd be really happy to have those people back in the workforce uh, and functioning. Um, and uh, I would also say there there are a lot of people who are concerned about um, like ho- homeless people and the uh, the the impacts of of you know uh, unstably housed people in their neighborhoods. So there's, there's a lot of people who want us to address uh, the issue of homelessness, and we are, um, you know, I, I don't, I think we're really challenged to come up with a unified approach on the the board of commissioners. Um, I think that there's there's a, you know, there's a, there a, a, a real desire to kind of um, just make the problem go away. Sometimes, uh, you know, uh, like we could set up a place for people to go, you know, to, to be homeless in camp, but it's going it, to, but, you know, my, my, my colleagues would like it to be really, really, really far away, um, uh, you know, from, from anyone else. And, uh, you know, if we're going to, you know, provide stability and resources and support to people so they can get back on their feet, um, they actually really need to be closer in uh, to services and um and community and support um 
yeah, there is a you know disagreement about whether um, whether uh, there's disagreement. You know, we're we're having a hard time even agreeing who the homeless are. Um, there, uh, my colleagues sometimes make comments about uh, the you know the homeless being outsiders, people who aren't from here. While we know from the point in time counts that happened that um, the homeless really are actually um, uh, the vast majority of them are long-term residents of Central Oregon, um, then um, there's uh, you know sometimes a desire to characterize the homeless as you know people who uh, have substance use disorders and don't want to work, um, and you know there is a slice of uh, our homeless population who are, you know, who fit that description, you know, who are, are struggling with substance use um, uh, disorders or addiction, um, who are having a hard time, um, you know, functioning in a in a day to day way. Um, but there are a whole lot of homeless people who are, um, you know, working poor people in our community who just can't afford rent. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, there's a Tremendous amount of disagreement about who the homeless are, what to do about them, how how to address um, this this huge challenge for our community. There's an awful lot of people that suffer from addiction problems that are that aren't homeless. And and as far as who they are, I mean, yeah, I'm reminded of the letter that appeared in the Bend Bulletin a few days ago asking where the bus stop is, where all these these supposed uh, Buses, bus loads of, of homeless people are being uh, are being yeah. dropped off. Uh, we've learned that you know, forty percent of the homeless population in our in our county are are families consisting of at least one adult and one child. Uh, we we've learned that close to half of the people, uh, you know, actually more than half of the people who are um, homeless in our community are homeless for the first time. So. I mean, I I sometimes feel like there's a desire to portray the homeless as unredeemable so that we can justify um, pushing them out of our community. Um, But these are, um, you know, these are uh, these are members of our community who are who have fallen on hard times and are struggling and um, they need. In my opinion, they need our support um, and uh, some resources and a little bit of stability, and a lot of them can uh, can recover and you know uh, uh, you know get on get on the right path again. From what I've seen, the city is is uh, the city of Bend uh, specifically is, is, has been make, taking steps to try to work with the county on this on this issue. Yeah. Yeah, that they have. I I very much appreciated the the partnership of um of the, the city council and the the city staff in trying to address some of these issues. Um, yeah, I, and I, you know while we while we struggle to come up with a you know unified approach within the county um, to homelessness, we we have been able to make some some uh, decent investments. You know, in facilities and services um, to help uh, uh, people who are homeless you know, get back on their feet, uh, and mm-hmm. we're part of that. You know, part of the reason we're able to do that is because we were blessed with a, a, a 
very large uh, chunk of American Rescue Plan funds uh, that were directly allocated to the county to help us uh, contain COVID and recover from it uh, in various ways, you know, economically as well as uh, in terms of our health. What kind of efforts do you see on the county level in regards to child care? One of the things we've been able to do at the county uh, that I'm proudest about um, in this year is uh, working with a consortium of child care leaders from our community um, to put together a package of um, you know, child care projects um, for American Rescue Plan funding that then the, the, the Board of County Commissioners invested $7.6 million in. Um, this, this bundle of projects uh, will create more than 500 new spots uh, in, in local child care facilities. So that's the, the kind of brick and mortar end of things, you know, literally creating space um, for, um, for, for kids in child care facilities. Uh, another huge portion of that $7.6 million went into um, the workforce pipeline because there's a, a, a um, a desperate shortage of, of child care workers in our community. Uh, you know, and, and the roots of that are, 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 you know, national and they, they, they go way deep. You know, our society does not, um, put a value on, uh, child care work the way that, you know, many other nations around the world do. And so you have, you have people who are, you know, who care a whole lot about kids who are trying to provide child care, um, and uh, you know, basically trying to do that uh, from to it from the tuition that they can get from from families, and um, you know, in in many other countries around the world, that there's uh, there's public subsidy. There's you know, they take taxpayer dollars and they put it into childcare, uh, but uh, here we don't. Um, people are are expected to provide this incredibly important service. Um, at, uh, you know, very, very, uh, affordable, uh, um, rates for, for parents. And, um, it, it's a real struggle because, you know, parents care a whole lot about their kids, but, um, the, the true cost of tr- providing quality childcare is huge. If we want enough childcare slots in our, in our community, if we want, uh, to have, you know, you know, the top people, the best people taking care of our kids, um, we're going to need to invest more. And uh, I don't want to think that that all has to come out of the pockets of a parent. So um, this American Rescue Plan investment we made was, was really exciting, um, uh, you know, for me. Um, we're, you know, we're working with all, all, you know, the, the, all sorts of partners, OSU Cascades, Boys and Girls Club, um, uh, you know, Mountain Star Relief Nursery, a, a whole constellation of organizations that participate in this consortium. Another issue that you mentioned, uh, what you referred to as conservation and environmental stewardship, and in my mind that takes into account land use and development and water and wildfire threats and just uh, um, the whole climate change gamut. And so um, what are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on those in terms of moving forward on the county level? As a county commissioner, I've been participating on the um, the, the steering committee for um, the Deschutes Basin Water Collaborative, and um, this is a forum for us to bring together 
um, you know, the three legs of the stool, um, agriculture, uh, in-stream use, and um, municipal use of water, and uh, users of water, and um, try to get those those folks to, to work together uh, to figure out how to put more water in the places where it's desperately needed. Um, and, and those, you know, key places are, you know, farmers with junior irrigation rights, mostly in Jefferson County, and um, in the river. We, we need a lot more water in the river. Uh, so uh, as part of that group, I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm advocating on a regular basis for um, the kinds of agreement across water users uh, that will allow us to conserve more water and then share it uh, with the, you know, the, the, the needs that, uh, that are the users that, that really need it. You know, again, the farmers who have junior irrigation rights and the river, um, both, uh, you know, those are, those are areas where we need more water. And the way we get that water is by um, piping irrigation canals, leaky irrigation canals, and doing on-farm efficiency projects, like converting people from flood to sprinkler irrigation. Um, and, uh, you know, so uh, advocating for that work is, is, is one thing I can do um, and, you know, trying to seek federal funding. And then, uh, you know, going back to the American Rescue Plan, uh, the county made a direct investment uh, from our American Rescue Plan, uh, you know, allocation uh, of $1.45 million that combined with the, the other funds in this on-farm efficiency initiative is going to help conserve uh, something in the range of 10,000 acre feet of water per year, uh, which will then be, again, available to the river and to um, uh, farmers with junior irrigation rights. So that's, that's, that's splat, you know, touching down in, on the river. Uh, I'm really excited about uh, uh, wildlife habitat and what the county can do to help protect um, wildlife habitat, and that that ranges from you know really um, uh, really legalistic um, state land use planning issues. Um, like a, one of the things we're trying to do right now is update um, habitat in, in, habitat inventories, basically maps of of key habitat areas um, for mule deer, um, Rocky Mountain elk, and and uh, golden and bald eagles. Uh, in Deschutes County. Um, so uh, after we update, update those maps and integrate them into our uh, comprehensive plan, uh, then we can um, we can restrict certain kinds of land uses in those areas to protect those species better um, from you know to protect them their habitat better um, from development and fragmentation and disturbance. I'm also just starting to work with some people. Uh, around uh, what's called the Newberry neighborhood in Lapine. Um, so the county actually owns a huge chunk of land, a smack dab in the middle of um, the incorporated city of Lapine. And we have been gradually releasing out that, that land for um, new housing. This is going to result in you know, more housing, substantial amount of affordable housing, and uh, also it will shift more of the population of South County onto sewer systems, um, you know, a larger proportion of the, the population of, of South County on a sewer system so that 
we don't have as many risks of, of groundwater contamination, shallow groundwater contamination down there. Through that Newberry neighborhood is a, a really important mule deer uh, migration corridor from for winter range to summer range and from summer range to winter range. We want to, we're trying to work with ODFNW and some other entities right now to create a, a, a solid band of habitat through there um, that will preserve that migration corridor. Uh, and then to put a wildlife crossing under Highway 97 so that the deer can get across the highway safely. Uh, so, you know, here's another piece. Uh, definitely still very, you know, I, I had a long past life in uh, forest restoration. I'm very much involved in, in that arena as well. And uh, one of the things you asked, you know, what, what would I like to be making progress on that is, is, is difficult with the, the current uh, three county commissioners and uh, the doing things to combat climate change has uh, been very, very difficult to move on um, with this board of commissioners. And I, I would like to be doing a lot more in that arena. The world of wildfire policy got very interesting this year. Uh, when uh, the, the state legislature passed Senate Bill 762. So this was, you know, the governor had assembled a wildfire council um, that had uh, put together a, a, a bundle of recommendations. And, um, and uh, those recommendations were passed this year. Uh, by the legislature, I, I testified multiple times in in, on, in support of this this package of legislation. Uh, some of the things that that bill will do uh, are um, uh, you create a whole bunch of funding for um, hazardous fuels reduction work on uh, you know the, the the proposals that have gone in. Uh, the, the, the proposal literally that just went in, I think, a couple days ago was for um, $6 million for a private land um, uh, fuels reduction treatments in Deschutes, in Deschutes County and spilling a little bit into Jefferson County and a little bit into Klamath County. Um, so uh, SB 762 created funding. It also um, created new requirements that in high wildfire risk areas, uh, new development was going to need to, uh, was going to be required to use the most wildfire resistant, uh, resilient building materials possible, um, and building techniques. Um, it also, uh, require, you know, um, under SB 762, defensible space is going to be required pretty much around everyone's homes, uh, in high wildfire risk areas. So, you know, basically all of Deschutes County. Uh, so there's a there's a lot of things coming down the the, the pipeline um, that are going to help us uh, reduce the risk of wildfire to our communities. SB 762 also created a new um, state conservation corps program, which I believe um, our community is going to be able to, to to secure funding from to to set up fuels reduction conservation corps here. One of the things that the county should be doing is helping county residents figure out how to dispose of yard debris, individual fuels reduction work on, on, on your home property. You know, living in the city of Bend, I have a yard debris bin. 
you get out, uh, you get out of the city of Bend and you get out of, of, of some of the, you know, the, the, the fully urbanized parts of the, of the county. People don't necessarily have access to that. They're either hauling stuff to the landfill, um, and, you know, dropping it off at the compost operation there. Or in a lot of cases, uh, private landowners are trying to just pile stuff up and burn it at their house. And, um, you know, a couple of the, couple of the first wildfires of 2021, uh, last year in March were started, you know, the one, one that blew up to 200 acres in March was from a yard debris. You hear from a lot of residents that, that are, uh, terrified that their neighbors are, are burning piles, um, you know, on days when the weather doesn't seem appropriate to be doing so. I mean, we need to make it easy for people to, to get rid of, uh, to get rid of that material, um, in ways that, uh, is not a, you know, is not a risk to, uh, start a wildfire. But the county governs the solid waste management system, you know, in the, in our community. So that's squarely within our solid waste responsibility and authority, as well as something we need to work on from a wildfire perspective. Do you feel that you're going to be able to move forward on some of this, or do you, are you feeling that there's, there's resistance from the other members of the commission? When you start restricting people's abilities to do things, telling rural landowners that they're not allowed to um, burn piles in their, uh, in their yard any, any, anymore, um, uh, yeah, I think that there's, uh, that raises concerns. Um, and so we would want to do this in a way that it was, you know, kind of voluntary and encouraged, um, but maybe not mandated at this point. Working with waste collection franchisees and, you know, getting them to provide yard debris bins in Tollgate subdivision outside of Sisters, for example. I mean, those are, those are, those are things. Um, my, my colleagues also have concerns about costs. You know, avoiding wildfire is really valuable, but how much are people willing to pay for it? And, and a lot of these things, you know, like enhanced, um, yard debris collection systems, um, is going to cost. So I do, you know, and, and I appreciate the, you know, that, that kind of fiscal conservatism. Yeah, I don't want county residents to have to shell out huge amounts of additional money for uh, to um, able to be able to effectively uh, dispose of yard debris. But um, we will need to we will need to weigh the costs and the benefits to, to, to figure out you know what's worth doing and what's not. I wanted to talk to you a bit more about uh, this petition drive going on to put on the ballot a change in the county rules that would make the county commission nonpartisan. I know that you're a supporter of that, and and I'd like you to explain why you think that is the right thing to do. Thank you for that question. Yes, so I'm I'm a huge supporter of the uh, ballot measure initiative to make Deschutes County uh, commissioners nonpartisan. At this point, Deschutes County is one of only nine counties left in the state of Oregon that have not already converted to nonpartisan commissioner seats. It's kind of puzzling that, that we still retain partisan commissioner seats because we have, we are such a purple community with so many uh, people who don't affiliate with either major party. I, I don't have the exact numbers at my fingertips, but there's the non-affiliateds might be, you know, 47,000. The Dems might be 
you know, 44,000 and the Republicans might be like 41,000. It, 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 it's those kinds of proportions. There, there are more non-affiliated voters than there are registered Democrats or registered Republicans. Those people who are not affiliated, who, who do not register as D or R, they do not get to vote in the primaries in May uh, where the candidates for a county commissioner are basically uh, determined. Somebody can come in after May and file as a you know, non-affiliated or an independent or something like that to run for the Chiefs County Commissioner, but uh, the reality of it is, if you if you had not been, if you have not been running um, for the May primary and you haven't gotten your name out there and you haven't been you know getting campaign contributions and you haven't been gaining momentum, you're not a viable candidate. I, I think it would be virtually impossible uh, for someone to just jump in the county commissioner race after the May primaries and be a competitive candidate. So basically, par, you know, the the partisan primary voters are the ones who get to choose who our candidates are for a county commissioner. And uh, you know, in my opinion, county commissioners then have to kind of you know essentially posture and pander you know for uh, one of the parties uh, in order to be popular enough to to, to get through the primary. And you know, be the one who comes out the primary, the you know, the other end of the primary, and actually gets to run to be Deschutes County Commissioner. And um, because of that, we I think that's one of the main reasons why we have so much national partisan garbage that shows up in our deliberations week to week during uh, Board of Commissioners meetings. The uh, petition drive that's going on, it's there. There's not. If I understand it correctly, there's not yet a, a, a set date that the campaigners are, are focused on in terms of when this would go on the ballot. If they can collect enough signatures, they could run the measure in, in May. Because neither of my colleagues on the, on the commission would agree to just directly refer the ballot measure to the voters uh, with a vote of two of three of us, the committee needs to go out and gather signatures. I actually think it would be great to have the the measure on the May ballot because then all of those non-affiliated voters who don't get to vote for anybody in the primaries, you know, those 47,000 disenfranchised non-affiliated voters would be able to voice their protest about that by saying they want their commissioners to be nonpartisan. The cities in in Deschutes County are all, the councils are all um, nonpartisan. Right. Commissioner is the only local government elected position in Deschutes County that is partisan. Counselors aren't partisan. Sheriff's not partisan. Assessor, you know, the, the, the county clerk. I mean, none of, none of the other, uh, you know, county scale or, or smaller scale positions, school board positions, none of that stuff is, right. uh, none of those are partisan positions. And again, 27 counties in the state of Oregon have already decided to, to abandon partisan county commissioner seats and gone nonpartisan. Just to let our listeners know, all uh, on the podcast, on the same page that this, you're hearing this interview, you'll be able to find a link or a, um, a way to contact the people that are, um, that are running this campaign. It's been a challenging year politically for you. Do you have any regrets about running? 
I definitely have my very tired weeks, but um, again, I feel like I'm I'm making a difference, and I, I I look forward to the next couple of years of my term and and get even more done and seeing where I can have some breakthroughs with some of those issues that are currently very sticky. I always like to ask my guests if um, there's anything else that that I didn't raise, any issue or anything like that, or or anything, any sort of parting, any you know, final sort of thoughts and comments that you might have for for your Deschutes County constituents. I hope people are are paying attention, and I hope uh, are paying attention to what their county is doing, and uh, keeping in touch with us and giving us feedback on on the decisions we're making and. Uh, the issues that we are tackling and the issues that we're not tackling um, that we should be, and, uh, you know, just making your county government both responsive and accountable. Thanks. Listeners, you can go to, all you got to do is Google Deschutes County, and uh, and the county website will pop up, and from there you can pretty easily navigate over to where the commissioners, uh, county commissioners are, and you can um, you can let them know what you think. Phil Chang, thanks so much for um, for joining me here on the podcast. I really, really appreciate you taking time. Thank you for uh, having me on, uh, Michael. And it was great to it was great to chat a little bit, give you a smattering, a little sampling of what what's going on at the county. Really appreciate right. the opportunity.